theme this year is building a sure foundation, as I'm sure you're familiar with by now, those of you that attend regularly, if you're visiting with us, uh, we have a theme each year at Northside and then do series that support that theme, hopefully, and this year we're talking about uh, building a sure foundation at this congregation. Northside has been around since 1939 and has done a lot of good in the kingdom, and we want it to continue for many more years and continue to be a strong force in the kingdom. So we're working this year on building a sure foundation here at Northside. We're in the middle of a series entitled Seeking Servant Leaders, because certainly an extremely important part of a church's foundation is their leadership. And we are ready to uh, take some action in that area, and we're preparing to select additional uh, elders at the north side, and we want to prepare ourselves for that. So that's what this series is about. Uh, The first week in this series, well, we talked about an elder's job description is what we called it. Uh, What do they do? And that's what we spent the uh, sermon time talking about, what elders do, and we found out that servant leaders in the church are very different than leaders in the world. And we talked about that quite a bit. Uh, They are servant leaders. And we found out there are a number of different names for elders, elders, shepherds, overseers. And they watch the flock, they oversee, they shepherd, they mature people, they admonish people when that's necessary. And they're an example are the job descriptions that we found as we went through the New Testament. Last week, we talked about an elder's resume, or what are they like? And we know what they do now. What, what kind of men are they? What are they like? And we talked about the qualifications in First Timothy and Titus. And we talked about those qualifications in a little different way, maybe, than we usually do. Uh, they're a result of the duties. You have to be a certain kind of man to do the duties that we talked about the week before. So that's what we worked on last week. Today, uh, we're ready for an elder's selection. How do you get to be an elder? Uh, Who picks elders? How does all that work? Who decides if this man's an elder or not? Uh, So we're going to talk about that today and see what we can learn about the selection of elders. Now, I've said every time, I think, that we're endeavoring to be uh, very Bible-based in this series. Uh, It's not an exceptional thing at Northside, but we're just emphasizing that, especially in this uh, very important selection time. Uh, So we're going to go to the Bible for our answer today of how you select elders. Uh, In the first century, we can read in the New Testament these two things. Uh, The Holy Spirit raised up men to serve as elders. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders And he told them, guard the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The Holy Spirit made men overseers, made them elders. He raised them up to be elders. And we recognize that concept today also. Uh, Brother Bill's prayer this morning, I especially appreciated. He thanked God for the men who he was preparing to be elders. Uh, So we believe that still exists today. Perhaps there was a a more miraculous means to it in some sense in the very young church uh, when nobody had any experience or maturity. 
uh, in the church. So maybe the Holy Spirit did some special things there, but I think the concept is worth knowing. But anyhow, in the first century, that's what happened. The Holy Spirit raised up men to be elders. And then all we can find is that apostles or evangelists appointed those men as elders. Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in every church. Paul and Barnabas had been missionaries. They had gone and started a number of churches. Later they traveled back through that area. And as the church had matured, they recognized which men had been raised up by the Holy Spirit. And they appointed them elders in every church. Titus, the verse that was just read for you, Titus chapter 1. Paul said, uh, the reason I left you in Crete, Titus, was to take care of the unfinished business. And that unfinished business was to appoint elders in the churches. So once again, new churches had matured a little bit and now had men qualified to serve as elders. So an evangelist, Titus, went to that congregation, talked to people, figured out who the Holy Spirit had raised up to be an elder, and said, I appoint you men as elders. So that's what we read happened in the first century. Good pattern for us, perhaps. Well, what process does the Bible describe for today? Uh, And I want today to list everything that the New Testament tells us about how we should select elders in the 21st century. So we're done. That's, That's the list right there. New Testament tells us zip, zero, nada about how to appoint elders. All we have is the first century pattern uh, that the Holy Spirit raised up men to qualified to be elders and then an apostle or an evangelist appointed them. We're not told anything about it. I get calls occasionally. Uh, Know Your Bible gets interesting calls from uh, small congregations and other places that want us to tell them how the best way to do something and uh, 99% of the time... I can't answer it. 99% of the time it's an opinion. It's a a local thing. And so I tell them, well, here's the Bible principle, but it's up to you what you do on that. And I remember one call a few years ago. A lady called from a small congregation in Nebraska. They had no elders. They were picking elders. They wanted elders. And they had asked the congregation for nominees. And then they'd set up a committee to review those nominations and compare them to the qualifications and all that. And she didn't know if that was right or not. And she wanted to know your Bible to make a ruling on that, uh, whether they could have a committee and what, who could be on the committee and all of that. And I told her exactly what you see on the screen there. I said, Bible doesn't say. Bible doesn't tell us how to do it. If the Men who are leading, the the congregation is fine with it, and a committee works there. That's okay. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad, because I don't know your congregation. And that's where we're left with this. You see, there are places with no elders. There are places with strong elders. There are places with weak elders. There are places with no qualified men. There are places with lots of qualified men. And the process might be different in all of those kind of places. I think there are some general guidelines, though, uh, that I would apply. And I'm going to talk about those here in just a second. I want to tell you one thing. Part of this, if I was just talking to Northside, I might do it a little bit differently. But uh, our 
series are taped, uh, DVDs go out to a number of uh, small congregations or even people who don't have a congregation that are worshiping together and use our sermons as their worship time. Uh, So this is going to a lot of small congregations that may consider elder selection and all that sometime. So I'm going to make it a little more generic than I would if I was just talking specifically to Northside, perhaps. So here's some guidelines that I'd suggest for selecting elders. First, since we don't have any biblical direction, it's left up to us. Uh, It needs to be what's suitable for our congregation. Uh, We are free to determine the process. Now, obviously, it has to meet other biblical principles and shouldn't cause division and all kinds of things, but we don't have a process, so we get to determine it. Uh, And I think on this point, it's good to note that if God doesn't tell us something, you can be sure that he expects us to figure it out. If he didn't tell us how to select elders, he expects us to figure it out. And I think the reason he does that in a number of instances is because he knows that there's no one process. There's no one answer for certain things. And the selection of elders, I don't believe there's one process that would work in every time and every place and every situation. There's too many variables. There's too many different kinds of church families. There's too many different dynamics within those families. There's too many distinct problems in some congregations that a process might or might not work. So it has to be suitable to our congregation. Second, uh, the process should best fit our current situation. I don't think there's one that maybe stays the same through through the decades. Uh, Consider a young church plant of all new folks that haven't been together very long. When they get ready to select elders, that would probably be a different process than a very established church that's been around for 80 years like Northside. A A congregation that is picking their first elders might have a very different process than a church that has a history of elders and strong elders in place. A church that is very stable and and solid might have a different process than one that is full of strife and contention. So I think God knows that. Well, I know God knows that. And I think that's the reason he didn't give us a specific process is we get to pick it for our congregation and for our current situation. Now, third principle I'd put out there is I think it's a real good idea to involve the church. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that. There's one uh, indication of that that some people use as a rule, but it's not a rule. In Acts chapter 6, the apostles needed some men to serve tables. Now, that's not elders. It's table servers. Uh, And some people think those were the first deacons, and maybe you could call them that. But what they were going to do was serve tables, take care of widows, and and do the benevolent program. And the way the apostles chose to pick them was they just asked the church. They thought they needed about seven, so they said, church, give us seven names. And they laid down some requirements. They needed to be full of the Holy Spirit and a few other things. And they said, give us seven names, and then we'll put them to work. Well, that's what they did. The church said, we think these seven guys would be good at that. 
And so the apostles said, all right, and they appointed them to the work. They committed them to the work of serving tables in Jerusalem, and it worked fine. Now, I think that's a good idea to involve the congregation. Uh, This church is not a democracy, so it's not essential, uh, but it's a very good idea. And then the last thing I put, I called it 3A, is even though it's a good idea to involve the church, I still think the ultimate responsibility lies with the elders. If a congregation has elders, when they're, when they're present, and uh, a, ch- a church has elders, I think that's where the ultimate responsibility lies. That's why we selected them, uh, to shepherd us and to lead us and to exercise their wisdom. So what needs more wisdom and experience than the selection of more elders? So I think it's good to involve the church, but I think ultimate responsibility lies with the elders. Now, all these are suggestions. Uh, for instance, I, I can envision a case, and let me just make this up in my mind, where a congregation might not be involved. Okay? Think about how Corinth was. Corinth had a bunch of parties and cliques. Okay, the people sitting in this group didn't get along with the people sitting in this area, and they didn't get along with people sitting in here, and they were kind of against the folks sitting over there. Okay, in that church, asking the church, give us some nominations for elders, might create more problems than not asking. Okay? This group might decide, well, we think so-and-so would be a great candidate for our party, so let's run him. And this group might come up with their own candidate. You see, it could be kind of a mess. So in that situation, the elders might exercise their wisdom and say, we believe that so-and-so and and -and so-and-so are qualified to be elders. And if no one has anything against them, we're going to appoint them as elders. Remember, we have no process now. I'm not saying that's a process that ought to be the majority one, but I'm saying... I can envision such a case. So we need to pick it suitable to our congregation in our current situation. I think we ought to involve the church, but the ultimate responsibility is the elders. Now, as we go about whatever process we decide, I think there are some things to avoid. I think there's some things we ought to be cautious of. So I put you what I call reminders and suggestions on your handout. And the first one is, number one, Elder selection is not a popularity contest. Okay, Understand that as we go through the process of selecting elders. Uh, We're not just picking good old boys. And we're not just picking our friend. We're not just picking the one that seems to be the best speaker to us. Or the one who leads the best prayer. Uh, When you are asked to write down some names, if you think, well, I see old Clyde up there and yeah, he really leads a good prayer. I think he'd be a good elder. Well, that may be a good reason, but that's why we spent last week going through the qualifications. Okay? This is not a popularity contest. Uh, now, I'm not saying that elders shouldn't be liked. <laughs> they, they ought to be admired and, and well-liked men among the congregation. Uh, but I'm just saying they're not necessarily the life of the party. In fact, being sober and serious-minded might <laughs> contradict them from being the life of the party sometimes. Uh, but we're not, it's not a popularity contest. You understand what I mean. Number two, elder selection is not a political campaign. Okay? 
That should never be uh, even a hint of that in a congregation as they pick men to serve as elders. There shouldn't be any petitions or, or talk among people. You, you put old Clyde's name down, he, he, he's going to make us a good elder. Let's get a lot of people to put his name down. That's not the way it works. Uh, the, the worst thing would be if a man himself turned it into a political campaign and tried to raise supporters said, I'd appreciate your nomination when it comes elder time. Uh, if there's any hint of that, I'd say that that's a disqualification. That's a DQ. Uh, out of there. Uh, just not the mindset that we read about the last two weeks. Uh, number three, elder selection is not a search for perfection. And, and this is one I mention especially for some of the smaller churches that may be listening and considering appointing elders or finding elders. Uh, a lot of small churches, and us too sometimes, tend to make it harder than it is. Tend to make it a search for perfection and use that checklist like we talked last week in the wrong way. Uh, the Bible says that Paul and Barnabas appointed church uh, elders in every church. And these were young churches. These were churches with pagan backgrounds. These were churches with pretty shaky membership. But they found men who were qualified to be elders. We read Titus chapter 1 this morning, and it said Titus was left in Crete to appoint elders in the churches. Down in verse 12, Paul says, Now I know that Cretans are liars <laughs> and evil brutes and lazy gluttons. But you go find some elders. Now there's a candidate pool for you. Okay. Paul said, I know that's how Crete is, but there's some in there that can be elders. Okay. So I don't think it's a, a, as hard as we think it is sometimes. It's not a search for perfection. Uh, understand all these churches in the, the New Testament, none of them had anybody that was raised in the church. I didn't have anybody with that kind of experience. But they still found elders. So elder selection is not a search for perfection. Number four, we should allow for the growth of an elder. And what I mean by that is we should expect an elder to grow into the job in many senses. Uh, James, you're our longest serving elder. Are, are, do you elder exactly like you did 15 years ago? You gotten you do it a little differently now, okay? Uh, James has grown at that, and I, if I asked the other four elders, they'd say the same thing. Yeah, I'm not, I, I know more now. I've got more experience. I do things differently. I've grown. Okay. Well, uh, when I say this, I don't mean let's pick unqualified men and hope they grow into qualifications. I don't mean that. They got to be qualified. But I mean, don't, don't compare them to men who have been elders for 20 years. Don't look at the current elders and then look at a man you're thinking about and say, oh, well, he's he just not the kind of, he wouldn't be the kind of elder that so-and-so is. Well, I would hope not. I would hope he's not as wise and not as steady and not as good at this or that as he's going to be someday. So we should allow for that. It'll, if they're qualified, they will grow as they serve as elders. And they have uh, older men and uh, more experienced men to help them and uh, mentor them along, and they'll grow. Okay. Number five, we should seek men who are not clones, 
but compliments to our current elders. Now, I'm not talking about character. You know, if we could clone character, that would be fine. They all ought to have the character of First Timothy and Titus. I'm talking personality. I'm talking about style and the way the person is. We don't want robo-elders that all look exactly alike, act exactly alike, and have exactly the same background and everything. Different personalities are good. In fact, different personalities make the team work better. So, and I'm not saying we ought to go looking for a specific personality. We're still looking for men that the Holy Spirit has raised up to be elders. I'm, I'm saying just don't try to match the current eldership. Don't say we, we need another man or two just exactly like the five we've got. Uh, number one, that's not possible. Number two, it's not a good idea. Uh, we don't want clones. We want men who will complement what we have now. All right, so those are my suggestions as we go about this. Now, let's close by proposing a reasonable process. Bear in mind, this is not from the New Testament. We already looked at what it said about our process, but I think this is a reasonable one that we can use. Step one. I think we should study the Bible's teaching about elders. And the reason we should take that step is to prepare ourselves for the process. Now, we've been doing that. That's what this series is about. But I would tell any congregation that is thinking they need elders or want to add elders, start here. Have the minister study what the Bible has to say about it so people know it. They know what the qualifications are. They know what the duties are. They know what kind of men we're looking for. We're equipped to do it. Now that we've studied that the last two weeks, we can look at men. We can think about, do they have a good reputation? Do they have a successful family life? Do they know and respect the word? Are are they disciplined men? We can evaluate their wife against the qualifications that are given for her. Uh, There are not many of them, but they're very important. Is she worthy of respect? Is she not a malicious talker? Is she temperate and trustworthy in everything? Now that we know that, that's what we can look for. So we're equipped to do that. So after we study the Bible teaching, step number two, we should ask members to submit names of those men that they believe could be an elder. I think that's a good premise, a good step in the process that we'll use here. And the reason we do that is to see who's already recognized as a leader. Okay? Now, the elders know the men here. They know the ones that are elder material, elder qualified, of the right age and the right character and all of that. They know that. But... The congregation recognizes some men as leaders already. And I think it's a good step to ask, to to get that input from all of the congregation. Step number three, I think elders should discuss the possibility of being an elder with some of those nominees. They get this list from the congregation. I think they ought to talk to some of them. Now, you might as I said some. I personally don't think it's necessary to talk to all of them. Uh, they may know already that, no, this man, we've talked, I've talked to him in private a long time ago, and he told me, uh, here's a reason he doesn't want to be an elder. Or here's a reason he can't be an elder. They may know those kind of things. Another instance, maybe somebody nominates some nice 
30-year-old young man with a brand new baby, a great guy, but he's not mature or experienced enough to be an elder. The elders know that. They don't need to go to him and say, we got your name written down on a piece of paper here. Would you like to be an elder? That's not necessary. Okay. Uh, if somebody writes my name down on the piece of paper, they don't need to come talk to me. They, they know how I feel about that. They know that I personally do not believe a preaching minister who's in front of the congregation all the time should be an elder. I think that's too much influence and too much public appearance time uh, to serve smoothly as one of an eldership. Now, that doesn't make it wrong. That just means I'm not willing uh, to be an elder, so they understand that already. A lot of congregations, smaller congregations especially, sometimes the preaching minister needs to be an elder. I understand that, but I'm just trying to tell you, when they get this list of names, they don't have to go talk to every one of them. The purpose for talking to some of them is to determine if that man is willing, if they don't already know, and if he's qualified. Now, the willing, sometimes we don't know. Sometimes a man has never been asked, and we may decide now's a good time to do that. Uh, That man may not be willing for some reason. And as far as being qualified... We know pretty much the public appearance of people and all of that, and we know some background, but we don't know all everybody's past. We don't know everything. So some man that uh, has got a very exemplary life here at Northside, uh, way before he came to Northside, may have done something or have something in his past uh, that he doesn't feel like he should be an elder. And by talking to him, we'd find that out. So, Or he may feel he's just not ready yet. He wants to work on a few things. So that's part of the process. But I think elders should talk to some of them. And after that, that's step number four, uh, submit the final selections. These are the men we think would fit and will fit now. And we would like them to be elders. Submit that to the congregation. Now, the reason for doing that is to assure that there are no scriptural objections. Now, let me stress two things there. Uh, Number one, objections or reasons that a man shouldn't serve, that's biblical. In 1 Timothy, it's mentioned for deacons, not elders. But it says deacons should be tested first, and if there is nothing against them, then let them serve as deacons. Now, that's a good principle, Even if he didn't say that for elders. I guess he thought, well, you'd just understand that. I don't know. But it's still a good principle. So I think we should ask the congregation, here are the men we think should be elders. Do you have any scriptural reason that he shouldn't serve? And maybe somebody knows something. We don't know that. So it's just an extra check, a good safety check, and we go through that step and then... Once we get through that, step number five, publicly appoint new shepherds. Okay, now, that process is not in the Bible, but I think it's a good one, and it meets biblical principles. As far as publicly appointing them, how do you do that? The Bible doesn't tell us that either. Uh, No ceremony, no uh, formula, no vows to take that the Bible mentions, so it's up to us again. Uh, I think we should do some of those things, and I think it's a very, however we do it, Uh, It should indicate what a significant day that is in building a sure foundation for a congregation. So that's the process that we'll we'll follow here, and uh, we'll 
begin on that uh, fairly shortly. All right, one more lesson in this series. Next week, we're going to talk about an elder's flock. That's about you. That's about us. Uh, The Bible says quite a bit about how a congregation works with an elder and treats an elder and respects an elder. So we're going to talk about that next week, and that will wrap up our series on selecting servant leaders. If you're here this morning and have a public need, want to request prayers from this family or tell us about something in your life that you need help with, or if you want to put Christ on in baptism, we'd be happy to help you with that this morning. Whatever your public need might be, let's stand and sing a song and you come to the front.